0: You're listening to a Richwood Church Podcast. Well, in my simple-minded opinion, and that's all it is, it seems to me that those of us who run in evangelical circles have bought into a lie. And the lie is that only particular kinds of people can be used by God to further His kingdom. Now, churchgoers are never going to come out and say that, but it's seen in the way we form our friendships, in the volunteers that we gather. It's seen in who feels welcome in our churches. And there are, I think, unspoken requirements, kind of like somebody has to interview Indeed.com to come to church at times. Uh, It must fit the demographics of the congregation. The person must not live a messy life. The person must talk like a churchgoer, dress like a churchgoer, and above all things, don't rock the boat of the church. And there's an unspoken commandment that thou shalt do things the way we've all done it that way. So it may seem cynical, but I think there's an element of truth in that. We just don't know what to do with people who are different than we are. But thankfully, God does know. And many times when God is choosing people, he goes the absolute opposite direction. He picks the most unlikely people of all. And the man that we're going to look at this morning as we continue our study of Acts is a perfect example of that, because Saul of Tarsus was really a bad guy. He wasn't just a, a, a sour person or a bad mood kind of guy, he was a bad guy. He was arrogant, he was power-hungry, and he killed a lot of Christians. Yet, this is a man that God chose, and Jesus surprisingly met him to appoint him for service. How unlikely is that? And so, when we see this happen, we, we start to understand that For us, no matter what season we're in, no matter how we feel about God, no matter how we feel about the church, no matter how we feel about ourselves, that God is at work calling us to himself. God is calling us to do his work. And thankfully, 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 he doesn't choose the way the culture chooses. He's not interested in the most shiny object or the most charismatic person. He's interested in the person who will walk alongside of him and obey him, and he does it in his secret sovereign will. So there's no escaping the truth we're going to look at this morning, and I want you to leave encouraged and hopeful, and I want you to leave knowing that God has a plan for you because he knows you, he loves you, and you have been appointed by God. And so the text we're going to look at is in Acts chapter 9. So if you have a Bible or a phone or a tablet, you can turn there. If you don't have one of those with you, you can always simply follow along on the screen. And so we're in this series called Courageously Multiply. And we'll see that the gospel is moving out of Palestine. It's moving into Damascus. And so the church is expanding. But one of its greatest enemies is Saul. Saul wanted to stop the church from growing right where it stood. And that's what makes this story so remarkable, because he was appointed for service though he had no credentials. And in fact, people were genuinely afraid of him. And if you look at verses 1 and 2, you'll see why. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples, of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem." Now, I can see why they would be afraid, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And so this man Saul was a well-known commodity. He was a Pharisee, he was well-schooled, he was a smart guy, but he was a fearsome person. And he had a target on the way, and the way is simply a description of Christians or the church. And the reason they had to see the high priest to get papers to go to Damascus and round these people up is because the Roman government had given the high priests the ability to extradite prisoners, and so Paul was on his way to Damascus, it's about 135 miles from Jerusalem, it's about 40 miles from the northern Israeli border where Syria and Lebanon and Israel all come together, but in this case, here he is, he's going there to once again round up Christians and them and kill them and terrorize believers, and It's a a fair statement to say this, that the early church was birthed in an environment of terrorism. There was fear, there was persecution happening, and the leading terrorist was Saul, soon to become Paul. And it's not a stretch to say that he would have been the Osama bin Laden of his time. Yet God reached down and said, I want you. So this underlines my my first point, that God appoints the most unlikely people to do his work. And I think this is really encouraging. God used a terrorist. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And in chapter 8, verse 1, he's being stoned, and Saul was overseeing the killing, and persecution began in earnest. Here's Acts 8.1. And Saul approved of, this, of his execution. And they arose on that day, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea Samaria, except the apostles. So what happened here? He's overseeing Stephen's execution, and because of that, great persecution against the church began to break out. And so you can understand why people were afraid of him. But it's hard to understand why God chose him for service. Now, obviously, this is a part of God's secret sovereign will, and we're never going to know maybe completely why he would choose him. But one thing that's obvious is the thing that fueled Paul's ministry was this idea of receiving grace that he didn't deserve. All through his writings in the New Testament, we see that constant theme. I was like this, now I'm like this, praise be to God. I was chosen, I was predestined, thanks be to God. That really fueled him. It gave him his energy. And so God knew that. And we see this acknowledgement of grace if we look at 1 Timothy 1, 12 and 13 I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. I mean, look how he describes himself here. He was a blasphemer, he was a persecutor, he was an opponent of the gospel. But yet God reached down and gave him mercy. And I love being around believers that understand their need for grace. And that have received grace because their hearts are soft. They themselves are gracious and unjudgmental because they know what they were like before God touched them or what they continue to struggle with. But I want you to be encouraged that though you may feel like you don't deserve grace, God has grace waiting for you just for the asking. And he is going to appoint you to service because that's what he does. He uses these unlikely people like Saul. And so as the narrative continues now, he's nearing Damascus, and Jesus shows up and changes his life. And as we see this intervention take place, I want you to know that he's still in the business of changing lives. And I want you to be thinking about this, that Jesus may be calling you to a new appointment. He may have something for you that you don't know yet. He may be revisiting something in your heart. He may be prompting you. And so, let's look at Acts 9, beginning in verse Three. Now, as he, this is Saul, went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly, a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" And he said, "Who are you, Lord?" And he said, "I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and enter the city." And you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing his voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So here is this terrorist coming face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Saul both heard his voice and saw him. There's no explicit statement that he saw him here, but in 1 Corinthians 9.1, he tells us that I saw Jesus with my own eyes. And it's also clear that he knew he was talking to a divine person because his question is, Who are you, Lord? And the immediate answer is, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now, that's actually a really important phrase because we need to understand that Saul was persecuting the church, but Jesus identified it as persecuting me. Why do you persecute me? And when the encounter was over, Paul was led into Damascus. He was blind. He didn't eat or drink because Jesus had given him that command. And so this encounter was amazing. And and I think that the thing that strikes me most about it is that he went so quickly from terrorist to evangelist. I mean, it happened in the blink of an eye and he wasn't expecting it. He, he, He didn't want it but it's right there for him. And I know that he has something for you too. And I would encourage you that in order to discover what God has for you, to spend time with him, to abide with him, to not just race through your prayer list, to not just read your devotional and then get up and go, but to spend just a few minutes in letting him speak to you, letting him prompt you, Because he will make his will clear to you. He prompts me as I'm reading scripture often or as I'm moving through and praying for people. And often he'll just say, I want you, and I don't hear this audibly, I just feel it in my spirit. I want you to contact this person and encourage them. So I'll just text the person I'll move right on. And sometimes that happens five times in a devotion time or sometimes it doesn't happen at all. But I want to be open, I want to be listening to God. Because he has something for you. And many times we just jet through all of this because we want to say we did it and we're done. But I want you to know that he has something amazing ahead for you. And the great thing about this is you, didn't, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Saul didn't deserve it. Because of grace, God chooses the most unlikely people to do his work. So, in speaking of God's work, enter now a man into our narrative named Ananias, who is seen here with this incredibly important task, and then he just disappears from the pages of Scripture. But God had a difficult appointment for him, and I want you to look at the text beginning in verse 10, because he was understandably hesitant, and this is not... I mean, this would have been what it was like. Ananias, if he was living today, I want you to, there's an ISIS fighter, I want you to go minister to him. That's exactly the context. Because everyone was terrified of Saul. So we see this beginning in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise, And go to the street called Straight. And that street still exists in Damascus. It's a main thoroughfare that goes right through the city. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he's seen in a vision, a man named Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But here's where you get the sense of fear. But Ananias answered, Lord, 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 Lord. I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints, Lord, at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. In other words, are you kidding me? Verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So, here's Ananias. He's got really valid concerns. He knows Saul's reputation. He was frightening, but he courageously obeyed. And here's what I think we can take from this. Is I will. It will take courage to accept your appointment, whatever God calls you to do. Because when we obey God and when he calls us with an assignment, it normally is countercultural. And so it will take courage to follow through. And his appointment for Ananias was clear. He was to minister to Saul, but there was a, a real risk in that. But it was important, and God made it clear carry my, He's going to carry my name to Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So what did Ananias do? He went forward with courage, but he wasn't the only one that would need courage. He tells Ananias that Saul is going to suffer for the sake of my name. So each man was faced with this life-changing and frightening decision to make, and each man proceeded forward, and things were never the same. And it's quite likely that your assignment will have with it pitfalls and risks. Because it takes courage to obey God. And I don't know, whatever your context might be, maybe it's something that comes up at work and there's an integrity issue or someone's being hurt by someone and you have to be the one to stand up and raise your hand and say, this can't keep going. That takes courage and it's difficult. It's really difficult to move forward and commit to a relationship with someone when you're just afraid of commitment, or conversely, if you're in a relationship and it's not bringing you closer to Christ, it's hard to break that off. It takes courage to do that if God's calling you to do that. It takes courage to lead families. It takes courage to follow spouses. It's hard. It also takes courage to simply share the gospel. I know for me, when I'm presented with an opportunity, there's always an inner battle that goes on inside. Usually it sounds like this. I'm not sure this is the right time. But what's really happening there is I'm not sure I have the courage to do this. <laughs> because what's the wrong time to share the gospel? So you're going to run into pitfalls. You're going to run into risks. But that's part of following Jesus. And that's what, that's what these men were running into. Ananias was finding this out. Saul, soon to be Paul, was now aware Both lives changed forever and redemptive history was changed. And the church was multiplying. God was working in verses 17 through 19. It tells us that Ananias did go into the house. He laid hands on Saul. Blindness was cured. And then he was baptized. And he gained back his strength. And the obedience and courage of these men paid immediate dividends. Look at the effect that they had on the church in 20 through 22 beginning in verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon the name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Everything began to change. And so, here's what I want to encourage you with today. And I want you to take this idea with, if you're sitting around going, what did he talk about today? If you just get this much, that there's hope for you and me because of what happened with Saul. God's redemptive plan is ongoing, and he chose a terrorist to do his will. He chose him. That means he can use you and I no matter how we're doing, no matter what we've done. He can use us, wants to use us, He's chosen to use us. Jesus met him personally, and that means that Jesus is close. He's not far away. Jesus is a personal Personal Savior. And when the time is right, he shows up. Normally not a minute too early, but never late. And he did this in Saul's life. He found Ananias, God did, who had the courage to minister to a murderer. And this means that the power of God can help you do whatever you need to do. You're not on your own. It may seem daunting. It may seem scary. But never, ever doubt that God is with you. And then, we see that the ministry of Paul takes off immediately, which means that the church will continue to multiply, will continue to get healthy, no matter what the world is doing around it. And so, as a church, we need to examine what's happening here. God is appointing, God is anointing people for service, and they have to courageously move and obey. And as a church, that's what we have to do. Sometimes we have to step out in faith. We can't always see the future. In fact, in COVID, we can hardly see tomorrow. But if we feel God's calling us to do something, we need to act. And same thing in our personal lives. If if I feel like God is prompting me, then there's no time to waste. Because there needs to be an urgency to the gospel. So I'm pretty convinced that we have relegated certain types of people to the sidelines because they don't fit our criteria for what a Christian is, what a churchgoer is. But I think if you looked at God's ledger, he wouldn't have those credentials on there. He would say, I want that person, I want that person. And many times God chooses the most unlikely of all. I mean, look who he chose to become the greatest evangelist of all time. So my question for you this morning is, are you ready for your appointment? And let me pray for you. God, I just pray that you would you would help the, the words, the, the actions, the scene that we've studied to sink into our hearts and souls. And we all struggle with fear. We all struggle with doubt. We all struggle with confusion. It is hard to hear you through all of the... The noise of our culture and all those things that we have going on around us. But God, will you please help us to be still and to listen and to abide and to be willing to make difficult decisions, to be willing to move forward in faith and courage, just as these men did? And, and I just want to thank you for choosing Saul because we have all thrilled to his writing. We've, we've been able to walk alongside his journey as you've inspired him to write sacred scripture and it's amazing to me that of all the people that's the one you wanted and what an incredible choice that was god thank you for doing that i pray this in jesus name amen amen thank you for joining us on the ridgewood church podcast